Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 27 together. Well, last week we looked at the importance for us as believers to overcome a love for the world. We looked at how Satan is a roaring lion, rowing lion roaming around the earth looking for people to destroy. We looked at how he tries to lure us away by getting us to succumb to our fleshly desires, our visual desires, and our prideful desires, how he tries to get us to love him and this world instead of having a love for the Lord, right? Now this morning, we're going to look at a warning that John gives us. It's a warning um, to be aware of the Antichrist and the Antichrist. How many of you remember back in the day when you learned to tell time? Remember that? Some of you can probably pinpoint that date. For others of us, we probably can't quite nail down that day. Um, Several weeks ago, um, Danny and I took a gift to the Saudi Airnos after the birth of their their son, Ethan, And, and we went up to the door, we knocked on the door, and, and I believe it was, um, I don't remember, the whole family greeted us, um, but I remember Michael. Michael, their oldest son, man, he, he opens the door, and he sticks out his wrist, and he shows me his pretty watch. Man, I think it was like a Batman watch, you know, one of those have the faces about that big on it, and he showed it to me. Now, Michael can't tell time, Okay. He's too young for that, but he understands the importance of time already. It's already being programmed in him that our world revolves around a clock. It revolves around time. Everything happens at a particular time in a kid's life, just like most things happen at a particular time in our life. I mean, we live in a society that is time-sensitive. Now, not all societies are like ours. Um, in fact, I would say that, that many societies worry much less about time than you and I do. Um, now, this morning, in John's epistle, we read of the need to be on our guard as believers because it is the last hour is what John says. So, uh, again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 18 through 27. And these are the words of the Lord. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Now write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need to, that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So this morning, 
John is warning his readers and us to be alert because the end is near. In fact, our first point this morning, John speaks of this last hour. He says, children addressing the believers, addressing Christians, he says, it is the last hour. I heard the story of a man who had a grandfather clock. And, and, and one night the thing chimed 14 times. And he, and he turned to his wife and he shook her and said, get up, it's later now than it has ever been before. You know, I would argue that it is later now than it has ever been before. It is time for us as the church to wake up. What does John mean by this last hour? The last hour is a term that reminds us of that a new age has dawned. In 1 John 2, 8, um, John wrote, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. You and I live in, in what is called the church age, the age that will usher in the Lord Jesus Christ's return. All history since Christ's death and resurrection has been a time of preparing us for the end, a time of preparation for that final hour, a time of preparation for the Lord Jesus Christ's return. Well, you may be thinking to yourself this morning that how can I believe the words from a man that were written with such urgency some 2,000 years ago that still haven't come true today? John said it is the last hour. This is the longest hour ever, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like the Groundhog Day. Have you ever seen that movie with Bill Murray in it? It's the day that keeps repeating itself. One of my favorite shows of all times. Well, this is the Groundhog Hour, isn't it? The hour that just will never end. You remember what Peter said in 2 Peter 3.8 about time? He said, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. When is Christ going to return? That we do not know, just as John did not know when he penned these words. But what we can be certain of is that his return is closer today than it has ever been before. We live in the church hour is the time that we live in, and we should live in grateful anticipation of Jesus Christ returning. He could return today. He could return tomorrow. It may be another thousand years. I don't think that's going to be the case, but we don't know. That is why we live in anticipation, believing that his return could be today, could be imminent and we live in urgency because there's a lost and dying world outside the doors of this church that do not know Jesus Christ. And if Christ were to return um, today and, 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 and they didn't have a relationship with him, then it could be too late for them. Notice next here, John goes on to speak of the Antichrist. So our second point is the Antichrist defined. Children, it is the last hour and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. The Antichrist is one of the most studied um, people, without a doubt, probably um, over the, the, the course of the last 2,000 years. His name has been associated with hundreds upon hundreds, if not thousands of people throughout history. The preposition anti has two meanings in Greek, against 
and instead of. The Antichrist is a singular person who will rise claiming to be the Messiah. He is, one, is someone that will be 100% against the Lord Jesus Christ. David Jeremiah is, is one of my favorite preachers and also um, favorite writers, but, but David Jeremiah has a lot to say about end times. In fact, speaking of the Antichrist, this is what he wrote. He said, the Antichrist is a person who is against Christ. He will aggressively live up to his terrible name. He will persecute, torture, and kill the people of God as he leads the armies of the world into the battle of Armageddon. He will be the most powerful dictator the world has ever seen, making Caesar, Hitler, Mao, and Saddam seem tame in comparison. Even though the Antichrist is identified by that name only four times in the Bible, and in fact that is in 1 John and 2 John, he appears many more times with various different aliases. He is called the promise that shall come, a fierce king, a master of intrigue, a despicable man, a worthless shepherd, the one who brings destruction, the lawless one, the evil man, the beast, to name a few. When he comes on the scene, people will flock to him like flies to honey, and they will do anything he asks. He will unite the nations. The prophet Daniel describes the Antichrist in these terms. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, and there were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. As Daniel says, the coming world leader will be renowned for his kind of eloquence, which will capture the attention and administration of the world. Daniel goes on to tell us that not only will this golden-tongued orator speak in high-blown terms, but he will also speak arrogantly against God. And the Apostle John describes him in a similar way in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 30, 13, 5, we read, And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. The Antichrist will be the most despicable man to ever walk the face of this earth. He will swoop the world off of their feet and, 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 and in his early days, but make no mistake about it. This man is evil. This man will be an agent of Satan, and he will be more vicious and rise to great Greater power than any other person in human history. John says this man is coming. But notice what he also says. He says, so now many antichrists, plural, have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. There is one antichrist, but know that there are, has been, and will yet to be many antichrists. These antichrists are false teachers that often rise up in the church and lead people away from the church. These antichrists will be with us, and if we're not careful, they have the potential to rise up within us, don't they? Notice our next point. Notice the antichrist desertion. In verse 19 we read, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. You know, there's going to be people that leave the church. We've had people throughout the years that have left Friendship Baptist Church for, for a very, various reasons. Sometimes they get hurt. 
Sometimes they become disgruntled or, or they, they determine that the church has nothing to offer them. And so they leave to find a church that has something to offer them. Know that as the church, we are um, individuals that, that bring something to the church. We're not just um, sponges that just absorb, are we? But there are people that leave because the church didn't meet their, their, their said need. Now, those that leave for such reasons is regrettable, but that does not make them the Antichrist. These people leave the church because they are unhappy with people not dissatisfied with Jesus. However, the Antichrist that desert the church are leaving because they are going out in some instances to form their own churches or their own cults or even to start their own religions. They believe that they have received this special revelation from God that no one else has, so they are going out to begin their own religions. They are men that make no mistake about it, that have come under the influence of the devil himself, and they are going out to start these false religions. Any person that walks away from the church claiming something that is not in God's word is not of the Lord. Make no mistake about that. They are antichrist. They are agents of the devil. They are false teachers, and they are against Christ and his work. Notice what separates us from these antichrists. Notice um, the next point, the believer's anointing. In verse 20 and 21, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. What separates us from the antichrist and the antichrist of, of, of this world. It's the Holy Spirit, right? It is the anointing that we receive at the moment of our salvation. One of the things that false teachers claim is that they have this special revelation from God. But John takes their term and uses it um, of the Holy Spirit is what Stephen Cole writes. He says that the moment of the new birth God's Spirit opens our blind eyes to see the truth about our sinfulness and the all-sufficiency of what Christ did on the cross to pay for our sins. This simple gospel message is what these believers had heard from the beginning. Rather than moving on from it to some new truth, they need to abide in the old gospel truth that they had believed from the very start. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are anointed at the moment of our salvation by the Holy Spirit. We become his treasured possession. We become a child of his, and we become one of his sheep, don't we? And what we can be certain of is that as his sheep, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, no one will be able to snatch us out of the Father's hands. Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. A true follower of Jesus Christ is a follower of Jesus Christ up until the very end is what Scripture makes it clear of, is what Jesus makes it clear of, and there will be no one that will be able to snatch us out of the Father's hand. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ's anointing is not 
temporary. It is eternal. You, my friends, all of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, we belong to Christ. We are his treasured possessions. We were set apart from him, by him, for him at the moment of our salvation, and we will be his up until, um, not even up until the very end. We will be his forever, for all of eternity. That's good news this morning, isn't it? Notice our next point, the Antichrist denial. In verse 22, we read, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Here's what we know about false teachers. They adopt Christian terminology and position themselves as if they are Christians, but they are not. They deny in some way the person of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit. They deny the work of Christ. Um, Folks, I'm going to tell you now, one of the most dangerous religions on this planet is Mormonism. They claim to be of the church of Jesus Christ, but what they are is a false religion that was formed by a man by the name of Joseph Smith who was disgruntled with the true church. Some of you may say, well, pastor, how is that true if in their very name they have Jesus Christ? Well, here are some simple um, reasons for that, but some um, explosive truths about this church. They claim a founder other than Jesus Christ. They follow a book other than the Bible. They accept beliefs outside of traditional Christianity. They seek salvation in ways other than through grace alone. They believe that the very best within their religions will get their own planet and become their own gods and have offspring that will populate said planet. In fact, um, one of their prophets said this. He said that the Jesus that you and I believe in is not the Jesus that they believe in. So if, that, if all those other things don't make that a false religion, that right there does. Know that the dangers are not always outside of the church. Sometimes they're also present within our churches. Today, many of our Christian churches teach doctrines contrary to the one true doctrine. They have manipulated the Word of God to say what they want it to say, and they have followings in the thousands that pack their churches each and every Sunday. You know, when you come here, you're going to get the truth preached week in and week out from God's Word. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to make it say what I wanted to say. God's Word is going to speak for itself when you come here. Unfortunately, that is not the case everywhere. And that is why we have to be on our guard against these antichrists that are rising up within our churches. Antichrists deny that Jesus is the Christ. They deny that he is the only way to eternal life. But Jesus made it clear in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus didn't um, at that moment give people many splinter ways to get to him. Or to get to the Father. He said there is one way and that is through him. Notice next, believers abide. 
Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. You know how you and I develop spiritual discernment? You know how you and I grow to understand the difference between false teaching and true teaching? We abide in the Word of God don't we? We hear the word, we hold the word, we hide the word, we find help in the word, we sing the word, we pray the word, we respond to the word, we share the word. When you and I allow the word of God to abide in us and take root in us and spring forth from us, we will be able to discern the difference between true and false teaching, teachings from Christ and teachings from these antichrists. There are a lot of false teachers that are in our world. And if we're not careful, we will get sucked in by them because they, they are going to tickle our ears and make us hear what we want to hear. But if they, what they say does not um, align with God's word, then that makes them false teachers. Notice next, the Antichrist deception. In verse 26, we read, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. You know what the devil does? He attempts to deceive us, doesn't he? He attempts to confuse us. He attempts to promote confusion about the gospel, saying, truly, this is not all there is. I mean, think about um, just Mormonism and, and the Jehovah Witnesses, two classic examples of, of religions that claim to be of Christ, but they teach a false doctrine. Um, for, for a Mormon, the Bible is not all there is. They have the Book of Mormon. They have the Doctrine of the Covenants. They have the Pearl of Great Price. They have the writings from their prophets. And each one of these writings are either on the same plane as the Bible or in some instances greater than the Bible. In fact, what a prophet says um, supersedes all writings. What they say basically is the gospel. And that is scary when you think about it. For the Jehovah Witnesses... Um, this is a religion that, that says you are only allowed to address God as Jehovah, his one true name. Well, in Scripture, God is not just Jehovah. We, there's many names for our Father and our Lord and our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They believe the Trinity is not biblical. They believe that Jesus was created by God. He is not from the beginning. They discredit the Incarnation. They don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's just to name a few things. These false teachings by these antichrists have been deceiving people for generations upon generations. Paul wrote to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 these words, While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from, what you, from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In verse 16 we read, the passage that all of us are familiar, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Antichrist deceive. How do we combat that deception? We know the word. 
We are aware of the word, and the word is implanted in us. That leads us to our final point this morning. It is this, the believer's awareness. In verse 27, John writes, But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have, not, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. The anointing within us is the Holy Spirit, a gift given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit guides us, comforts us, teaches us, convicts us, fills us, empowers us, gifts us, intercedes for us, and allows us to bear fruit, just to name a few things, right? Understand, the Holy Spirit is more than enough for all of us in this room. That is what John is saying. The Holy Spirit is more than, more than enough. And, and John says something that, that, that many people have, have actually um, stopped going to church after reading. He says, you have no need that anyone else should teach you. Now, what does that mean that you have no need that anyone else should teach you? Does that mean that you alone should read and study God's Word and you alone um, should just live life independent from other believers and the church? That's not what John is saying here. What he's saying, and make it abundantly clear, is that the Holy Spirit is more than enough. But, but what is John doing? John is teaching us that the Holy Spirit is more than enough. So teachers are still very important and vital to the church, okay? Leaders, elders, pastors, they, they are important because they help equip us, right? Help sharpen us, help, help, help lead us um, to study God's Word and hide God's Word in our hearts. So John is not saying that we do not need the church or the teachings from leaders in the church. What he's saying is the Holy Spirit is more than enough for all of us, and we know that. We don't need anything else other than the Holy Spirit. So folks, you have everything you need when you rise up in the morning and you open up God's Word and you begin to study God's Word and you, and you study it and you hide it in your heart and you pray and call out to the Father. You have everything that you need. You have more than you need. What we do is when we come together week in and week out, we sharpen one another. We help equip one another. We help share with one another what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives throughout the course of the week. That's what we do as a church, and as a church, we are stronger together. We are, we, we are a more mighty force of an army as we leave this place and go into this world as well. Folks, Christ is more than enough, so let us abide in him. He is more than enough. Let's let the Word of God abide in us. Let's let the Holy Spirit direct and guide us and comfort us and teach us and convict us and fill us and empower us and gift us and intercede for us. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to, 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 to give us the ability to bear good fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, you and I need to be on our guard. There are many false teachers that are in this world today. We need to be on our guard, and we also need to recognize that we truly are living in the last hour. When is Christ going to return? Once again, we don't know. 
We, we just simply know just by mathematics that his return is closer today than it's ever been before. His return could come in our lifetime. It may not. But, but we need to live as if Christ is going to return before this day is up. And we need to live with the same kind of urgency that John wrote with when it comes to, to sharing the good news of salvation with those that do not have a relationship with him. Let's stand together. Emma, lead us this morning um, in a time of prayer. And, you know, I don't know if there's a decision that you need to make this morning. Um, but what I do pray for all of us is that, that, that we will be men and women that are praying diligently um, for, for um, Christ to give us opportunities to share the good news of salvation with those that we come in contact with, recognizing that we are indeed living in the last hour. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now, Lord Jesus, just thanking you for this morning, thanking you for the, your word, thanking you, Father, for the warnings that we read in your word, that there are indeed um, false teachers in this world. There are indeed antichrists that are rising up within churches and leaving out from churches to start their own churches and their own religions and their own cults trying to lure people away. In, fa in fact, when you think about Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses and some of these other religions, Father, that claim to be of Christ, they have led millions upon millions of people away from you towards an eternal de destruction and separation from you. So, Father, help us as your ambassadors to go out into this world as truth bearers, proclaiming the good news of salvation amongst those that we come in contact with. Father, just be with us now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.